0: Bibles and hope you do. Please open to the book of Galatians. We have been looking at Paul's letter to churches that in about oh about the middle of Turkey, up in the the center, some of the churches that he founded, and Paul is is not exactly pleased. Uh, he's he's confounded. He's confused because the churches have left the faith. They are no. They are not listening and not doing what he had first taught them. They're not believing what he first taught them because some people had come down from Jerusalem and they were trying to teach them that they had to become Jewish first. They were Judaizers. So Paul is continuing to... uh, To to defend what he's doing, he's telling them how he became a believer. He talks about the road to Damascus where he meets Christ and Jesus taught him the gospel that his gospel, the gospel he taught them was not from men, but it was from God. And it's about grace, it's not about what we do, it's about what God, Jesus, has done for us. And the passages we're going to cover today, I mean, we need to read these passages with fear and gratitude because we're going to encounter a, a meeting that was so important to the church. You know, there are times in history where the future direction of a people, of an organization, it's pivotal. It's on a razor's edge. It will either go one way or it will go another. And our scripture today talks about a meeting in Jerusalem that may seem you know, kind of innocent, not really that big of a deal on the surface. But the fact is that the consequences from that meeting even reach us today. So if you open to Galatians 2, we're going to start with verse 1. Paul begins by saying then, and whenever you say then, you need to know what was right before that. Understand, Paul has told them that, that, uh, about his Damascus experience and Damascus Road experience. And now he is back. He was back in Jerusalem for a while, just brief, maybe 15 days. And then he went, ends up going back to Tarsus, where he is from. It says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. And we're going to see some of the things that were going on. Needless to say, during that 14 years is when his first missionary journey happened we're going to see how that all started here in just a moment. But he took Barnabas and Timothy along with him. I went up because of a revelation and said before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was greek Yet because the false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, When they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted to the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me, for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, by the way, Cephas is Peter, who seemed to be pillars perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing we are eager to do. Father, we praise you for your word. Father, we just ask that you open our eyes and our minds to your word as we go through and as we... um, kind of deconstruct this a little bit so we understand what's going on and why these things are happening. May it open our eyes to you and may we glorify you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So it had been 14 years since Paul had been in Jerusalem. And like I said, during that time, he'd gone back to back to Tarsus and he ends up coming to Antioch. We'll talk about that in a moment too. And but his first missionary journey occurs. He starts planting churches among the Gentiles. Now, when Paul comes back, he's traveling with two people, which was customary. And when he went on his missionary journeys, he'd have two people with him. But I, I think as I was reading this, I thought, boy, those are pretty strategic people to be choosing to take back to Jerusalem. Now, we, we know he took Barnabas and, and Titus, and I'll, we'll talk about that too. But, you know, Paul is not being summoned. He was not being called back to the church in Jerusalem. Paul is going there because he had a revelation. God revealed something to him. And out of a sense for concern for the gospel that he was sharing, Paul decides he wants to go to the leaders in Jerusalem. Now, I want you to understand, Paul is not concerned that his preaching what he's preaching is wrong. That is not his concern at all, because he talks about that. He talks about. He tells the, you know, earlier in Galatians, he told them, if 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 I if I come back and teach you something different, you know, don't believe it. If an angel teaches you something different than what Jesus gave us, what he I taught, don't believe it. It's not that he doubts his gospel of grace. He's not seeking confirmation. From the leaders because he has confirmation from Jesus Himself, because that's who he got the gospel from. What concerns Paul is that he needed to put an end to the attacks that were happening. See, Paul, Paul would go into a town that he had founded, that he planted a church, and then he would leave, and then people would come in behind him and they would sow trouble. They would they would tell them that they had to become Jewish. You had to be circumcised, you had to follow all the rituals, all of the, the laws. And Paul's like, I can't keep doing this because I'm having I can't spend my I can't spend my time going towards other church places that need churches when I have to spend all my time defending what's already been planted. So he goes thinking, maybe, because these people are coming down and they're saying, we're from Jerusalem. We're from the the real apostles, the one who really knew Jesus. And what we're doing is we're going to tell you what the real gospel is. We're going to tell you how to really be a Christian. Now, Paul's plan was to go and have them kind of maybe run a little interference for him. And and the reality is they were that they would they would be able to say, Paul would be able to say, they're not from Jerusalem. Peter, and they're not from James, and they're not from John. Don't believe them. But the problem is also that Pe- Paul doesn't quite know exactly how that meeting is going to go. He's been away for 14 years. A lot can happen in 14 years. He is not sure, I'm sure he wasn't sure whether or not the church in Jerusalem had been corrupted by these very men. He doesn't know but he's, he's willing to risk that because he wants the gospel to be spread, to be shared, and for, for the Gentiles to come to faith in Christ. See, the, these false teachers are basically teaching that Paul is teaching easy believism. Well, all you got to do is believe. And they're like, no, it's more difficult than that. Like, it can't be that, right? It can't be just that. So Paul is very strategic in traveling with these Two men. We'll talk about Barnabas first. Barnabas Barnabas was a very important figure in the early church. He was a Jew from Cyprus. His name means son of encouragement. So if it's Bar that's son, son of, son of Barnabas means son of encouragement. I would be son son of William. Jesus was Bar, bar Joseph. I have a bad joke but I'm not going to share it. I thought about it this morning. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but he was a very important figure in the church. He was very encouraging, very supportive. He was a Levite. He was of the, the priestly, priestly tribe. And it's very possible, we don't know for certain, but it's possible that he was also a student of Gamaliel, who was, who was Paul's teacher. Because we know he knew Paul, and we'll find out in a second. He was very gifted, a very capable leader in the church. And he ends up in Antioch. And it's Barnabas who brings Paul into Antioch. If we go back to Acts chapter 11, um, starting at verse 19, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So Stephen is stoned. Which, which Paul was there. In the meantime, while Paul is off doing his persecution, and he ends up on the Damascus Road. All these people who were scattered because they were afraid of being persecuted end up as far as Antioch, which is up in in Syria of today. But they're only talking to Jewish people. They're not talking to the Gentiles at that point in time. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Cyprus is the island off in the Mediterranean. There were some of them who were coming to Antioch and spoke to the Hellenists. Hellenists to the Greeks, the Gentiles, also preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So Barnabas is in the in the is down in Jerusalem in the church. He's a Jew, and he is he's a leader in the church. They respect him enough to send him to Antioch. Now, wouldn't that be the perfect person to bring to a meeting? They know Barnabas. Barnabas is with you. He supports you. They know. Paul knows. He's very smart in this. But they send Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them, which basically he convinced them, he told them, he taught them, to all remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He told them, you need to be intentional about your faith. You may hear those words from my mouth a few times. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm Barnabas, believe me. But understand, we need to be intentional about our faith. It's not something we just willy-nilly about. It says, he did this for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas so the church is growing, it's getting bigger. And Barnabas is like, I'm not so sure I can do this by myself. He needed some help. So who does he go to? Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. That's who Barnabas was. He was well-respected. He was the perfect man for Paul to bring to show that Paul had support from leaders in the church. Because, see, what is at stake here as Paul and Barnabas and Titus are heading to Jerusalem? What is at stake here is the unity of the church. Now, the other person, Titus, who's this Titus guy? Well, Titus was a test case for Paul. Because, see, Titus wasn't Jewish. Titus was not Jewish. He was uncircumcised. He was a Greek he was a convert to the faith. Paul led him to the faith. So why did Paul choose Titus? Well, if you were Jewish and you were to step into a Jewish, a Gentile home, you were considered unclean. Or don't even think about eating with them. Because they eat, they eat non-kosher things, right? We'll talk about that next week. We'll have an an encounter between Peter and Paul that deals with eating. But you'd be considered ritually unclean. You have to go through this whole process of being made ritually clean. But see, not only was Paul eating with Titus, he actually brought him into a meeting with the pillars of the church. That's risky the very headquarters of the Jerusalem church, a private meeting. And see, all this is being done under the eyes of the ex-Pharisees who were the Judaizers who were going out and, and, and teaching people they had to be Jewish first. And they were looking for a reason to condemn Paul. So what is the what could happen? Well, the problem is is that if 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 Paul if Paul comes into the meeting and the Jerusalem Church is not like he left it, where they said yes, God is also bringing to the Gentiles, and all they have to do is believe then there's no problem if they are that way. But if they've left that, then there's there's a chance that the Judaizers had gotten in, and what would happen is Titus would probably have been grabbed and would have been circumcised before he could even go in. So this was a test. But see, there was no reason for him to be circumcised because Titus wasn't Jewish. He was a Gentile. And so, what he would, and he would be, he was preaching, he was sharing with Paul, he was going with Paul to the Gentiles. He wasn't going into the synagogues. So there was no reason for him to be circumcised. So the, the question is would the church move forward, unified with both Jews and Gentiles, or would it split along the lines of Jewish and Gentile lines? And both sides are in this meeting. Now, I've been in some really contentious church board meetings. Now, could you imagine that one? And how important that meeting is. And we know that some of the other uh, Judaizers were in there because this is what Paul says in verses 4 and 5. He says, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in. I was watching. um, There's a lot of um, issues going on in the Southern Baptist Church right now with the whole um, critical race theory um, I was watching a a video of a it's called a congregational meeting, but they called it like right after the worship, before this, and right after the sermon, they called it Sunday morning, and it was contentious. It was not good, and it broke my heart to see God's body acting the way they were acting. And I can imagine that there's a there was a lot of tension. But we know that these false brothers are brought in secretly. They weren't supposed to be there. They slipped in to, Paul says they slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. They're, they're hoping to prove Paul wrong so the Jewish leaders will say, you know, Paul, I'm sorry, you need to have them all circumcised. They need to follow the Jewish laws. Paul's like, no, we have freedom in Christ. It's about grace. It's not about what we do. It's about who did it for us. To them, we did not yield in submission, even for a moment. He says, we didn't give in so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Paul is so adamant about the fact that Gentiles do not have to come and become Jewish. He's so adamant about it. He says that that anything besides that is not the truth. The truth is... you. Don't have to. It's by grace. Faith through grace and grace alone. And believe me, the church has struggled with that idea since then and continues to struggle with that idea. We're running right back into the same thing today. It's about what you do. No, it's not about what you do. It's about who you know and what He did for you and whether you trust Him for your salvation. Oh, you will do good works. But not for your salvation. You'll do work, good works because you're different. You're changed. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I want to do good works for Jesus Christ. And we could, I could do a whole sermon series on works and what that really is. And what Paul says. Maybe I will. I don't know. We'll get there. Hmm. The legalist See what is it? The issue is that the legalist idea in Judaism had formed the society for so long. It had formed the customs, the culture, the consciences. It would determine who was in and who was out. It'd become part of who they and it's hard to let go of those things. We all have those. We all have things in our lives, habits that are hard to let go. Look at your Sunday morning routine. Do you do the same thing every morning in the same order? And what happens if you get it out of order? Oh, man, my day's all messed up now. And that's minor. I mean, this was, this was really ingrained. So I'm giving, I'm giving the Judaizers some grace, but they're wrong. They are wrong. Throughout the history of the church, there have been many twisted church policies that have been developed and integrated into the church because of legalism. Go back and look at the Inquisition. Look at the things in the Catholic Church in our history. Because believe me, I know we're not Catholic, but the Catholic Church is part of our history as a church. Even within our own churches, there are things that are put in place because of legalistic ideas that aren't necessarily biblical or true. But if we look at Paul's teaching and his practice, we find... He actually was amazingly free in his application of legalistic guidelines. Did you know that he actually circumcised somebody? I mean, this was after he became a believer. He actually circumcised them. If we go to the book of Acts, we go to Acts 16.3, it says, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him, and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So why is Paul willing to circumcise Timothy, but not willing to even have Titus touched? Don't even think about it. It seems like Paul is being a hypocrite, right? That's what our thoughts would be, but that's not true. What we see here, if we know anything about Timothy... Paul insisted that he be circumcised because Timothy was going to be going with Paul into the synagogues and Timothy was half Jewish his mother was Jewish so he had to be circumcised or they would never have let him into the synagogues and Timothy Paul needed Timothy to be with him so he did it not because Paul says not because this is next or actually Luke wrote wrote that it's not because of the law that he circumcised Timothy. It was because of the Jews that he wanted to go reach. But Titus will not be forced to be circumcised because he was a Gentile through and through. He would be ministering to Gentiles, not to Jews. And if he was circumcised, just think of the message that that would send to everybody else, all the other Gentiles. That that would have been the time to open up a circumcision business if that had happened. In all those towns. Because somebody, they, all those people would want to be circumcised. Because, oh, did you hear? Titus was when he went to Jerusalem. We must have to be too. It would be an incorrect message if that had happened. That's why Paul is adamant. You see, legalism, if, we're, if we have a legalistic mindset, we find it difficult to deal with the fact that Paul would use the law in a way that at this time made sense but doesn't at other times. We, we, in our legalism, we like the law to be black and white, don't we? I, tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do so I know if I go this way or I go that way, I know I'm right or wrong, right? We love black and white, But see, the, the, the thing about Christianity is it's fellowship. You're, you're bringing people into a relationship with Jesus. It's not just that we, you know, we, we worship God and then we're done for the day. Jesus becomes part of everything we do. It, bec- it becomes all-encompassing. And the problem is, is that that relationship, the currency for that relationship is love. And whenever love and liberty is the currency, the Spirit sets a broad and welcoming table. Because what does it say in John 3.16? For God so loved what? The Jews? No. God so loved what? The world. God loves everyone. And God wants everyone to come to the knowledge of salvation. Not everyone will. That's just the way it goes. But he loves everyone. And so he opens the table, and we can see that. It's interesting, as as I was going through this, and I'm reading this, and I'm thinking about all that has happened, so I want to go back a little bit. I want to go back to what, what Peter experienced, because Peter's in this meeting. And, and I'm thinking probably Paul, if, if it was me, I would think, you know, well, what did Peter experience? Well, I, I think I might have an in with Peter. I very well may have an in with him. He may be, he may be my advocate on, in, the, in the meeting. So we go back to Acts 10. And what happens was Paul, uh, Peter was uh, asleep on top of a, on top of a, a, a house, and, and he's dreaming, and God sends him a dream. This, this cloth rolls down. There's all these animals on there. Some of those animals are not kosher, and God says, kill it and eat it. And he says, uh-uh, no way. I'm Jewish. I'm faithful. I would never. And God says, don't ever call, any, well, don't call, I, I put ever in there, but don't call anything, That God has made clean, unclean. And then he's told to go to the house of Cornelius. And this is what he says, verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news to peace through Jesus Christ... He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism of John proclaimed. So Peter goes on, and he shares the gospel to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. And he goes in. He's in the room, in the house. So right there, he, he breaks a law. Secondly, he's probably eating with them, so he breaks another rule, another law. But he realizes that God has made something clean. So he goes on to share the gospel, and then the Holy Spirit does something that even surprised the circumcised Jews that are with him. Verse 44, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And by the way, the Spirit was poured out on them before they were baptized. Okay? Just so you know. Let me, just, let me just say this. God does what he wants. He's God. He can do what he wants. You're not. I'm not. I have no place to question what he does and why he does it. He can choose to take... I, I could die... Don't tell my wife this. I could die right here on this stage. God is just and God is good. doesn't matter. That's God. He knows what's right. He knows everything. He'll do what he pleases, because he's God. I'm not. For they were hearing from them, speaking in tongues, and extolling God. So they're praising God as they're speaking in tongues. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as I have, as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. So that's the story of how God is basically, he's, he's fishing and he's throwing his net further out. And he's showing them. What's interesting in, in what Paul is talking about when he's in the Jewish council, and I'm sure, like I said, he felt he probably had an in with Peter because he knew what would happen with Peter because Peter had shared that previously. What Paul does next is he addresses his standing with the Jewish apostles. See, the the, the Judaizers were saying that they were coming from the apostles in Jerusalem. And Paul's like, okay, (laughs) but I heard from Jesus himself, just as they did. You see, they believed, the Judaizers believed that they had the support in what they were teaching from the apostles. But to Paul, now whether these men were in positions of power was really of no consequence to him because he reminds the Galatians that God is not a respecter of people. You know, God does not, does not respect one person over another. There are times... You know, I'll be I'll be someplace and people know I'm a pastor and it'll be time to pray at a meal. Well, you pray, pastor. I'm like, why? Do you think he hears me any better than he hears you? No, he doesn't. I believe me, I am no more righteous than anybody else. We're all sinners. The only righteousness, the only righteousness I have is from Christ. That's it. Just because I can get up on stage and I can read scripture and I can I can I can I can examine it, and I can tell stories from it, and I can grasp out of it what God is saying. That that just makes me a, a good preacher. It doesn't make me a better Christian. Trust me. Now, whether these men held positions of power in church was not going to change his message. Paul was not preaching his message to please the apostles in Jerusalem. He was preaching his message to please God. That's what he was doing. He's not going to change his message because he knew where his gospel came from. And he reminds the Galatians that God doesn't respect persons just as Peter discovered with Cornelius because God wants people from all nations, tribes, tongues to come to a saving faith in Christ. It doesn't matter what your social standing is. It doesn't matter what your financial standing is. It doesn't matter what your color is of your skin, what nationality you are. He loves you all the same. He loves us. We're all precious to him. He wants us all to come to faith. I love what Peter says in 2 Peter. He says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. Boy, that gives me a lot of encouragement. But man, I think sometimes God is way too slow. I mean, it's been 14 years Paul has been dealing with this. Well, a year, in, a, a year that he had been in, in Antioch, so probably 13 years at least, when he goes out and starts planting churches, and then they come along behind him, He'd been dealing with this for 13 years, and he probably had hoped God would just take care of it. Probably prayed many a time, Lord, just keep get them out of the way. Allow your gospel to spread. But God didn't. He could have, but he didn't. Again, can't question it. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some kind of slowness, but is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. Now, that does not mean that everyone will be saved. It's like That's what God wants. He wishes that nobody would go to hell. Okay? But we have free will. We have a choice to make. It's one way or the other. He wants all to reach repentance. So what happens? Ultimately, what happens is the the Jewish apostles, they confirm Paul's ministry. What they do, they offer him the right hand of fellowship. And it was customary that what you would do is you would offer the right hand of fellowship. And if you do that, it shows that your ministry is trustworthy. It means you're a partner in service. And what it suggested is that the Jerusalem apostles appreciated what Paul was doing. They believed that Paul was doing was the correct thing. And that his ministry was on the same footing as theirs. And that is why it is so important for us as a church to not bring the wrong kind of things into this church. This is why we no longer do Hillsong, Bethel, and Elevation music. Because all three of those churches are are committing apostasy. We don't. I listen to their sermons sometimes just because I want to see what they're putting out there so I can be ready for it. But understand, we will not do their music anymore. Because I am not going to sit here as a church and we're not going to say, we support them, we believe that they are of mission, And some of their music is great. I mean, from a music standpoint, it's awesome. But even their music that is theologically correct, I can't play it. I refuse to. If If I'm listening to the radio now and it comes on, I have to turn it off. I just have to. Those whom we associate with in ministry. Understand that? That doesn't mean that, you know. And when Paul tells the church, he says, you know, don't, don't hang around with those who are sexually immoral. I don't mean those in the world, because if we did that, we'd have to be taken out of the world. I'm talking about those in the church who are still sexually immoral. We need to associate with non-believers outside the church, but we can't bring in ministries that are not preaching the true gospel. Because if we don't, if we let them in, it shows we agree with those ministries and we think they're valid. So Paul ends up leaving. Um, I want to I spend the rest of my time that I have here, the next 12 minutes, talking about the law and the freedom of grace. I, I think it's important um, to kind of talk about this um, to understand what was Paul defending, what was Paul, what was Paul talking about. See, the, the gospel of grace that is free from the law does not mean that good works are not going to be done. I want to kind of first kind of the stuff that I don't want us to think the wrong thing, that if we just worry about grace only, that we don't have to do anything good, that good works don't occur. And believe me, good works, sometimes a good work is that I take care of my family correctly. And well, I, I can show you that in Scripture, that that's what, that's what the good work is. It's not that good works don't occur and they don't need to be done. In fact, the Jerusalem apostles, they wanted Paul. All we say is, take care of the poor. And Paul's like, that's the very thing we wanted to do, anyways. Right? Also, the, Ten Command- uh, the gospel does not, grace does not eliminate the Ten Commandments as a moral law. But the gospel of grace means that no one is right. By keeping the Ten Commandments. You cannot take the Ten Commandments. Oh, I keep that one. Oh, I must be, I must be saved. I must be righteous. I'm keeping all the Ten Commandments. That's not. It has nothing to do with that. Your, your salvation has to do with the grace that comes from God and God alone. When I'm saved, God works on me to keep the Ten Commandments. And believe me, he'll work on you for a long time because those things are ingrained in us. Those things are things we don't want to do. In our flesh. The gospel of grace means that no one is right before God because of their ability to follow and keep commandments. Performing good works and keeping good morals does not make you right with God. It's a result of your rightness with God. And if you think it does, you're in the danger of becoming pious and prideful. I mean, it's because of what I did, right? I'm a good person. I'm a good person. It's because I did. I'm that. No, you're not. Even Paul says, "I, I oh what a wicked, wicked man I am! Who can save me? Jesus, that's it. If I do it on my own, I'll fail." Pious law-keeping destroys the unity in the church because what do we do? We start comparing ourselves to everybody else. Well, you don't, you don't keep the Sabbath, or you don't do this, or you don't, you don't honor your father and mother like I do. The only person we should compare ourselves to is Jesus. And guess what? Every time I compare myself to Jesus, I come up short. I do. Because he's still working on me. and There will be a day that I'll stand next to Jesus and I'll realize, yeah, it was you all the time. It was you all the time. And I'm righteous because of you, not me. So it's that constant battle we have with our flesh to, to overcome it. But see, when we have the gospel of grace through faith, it yields a deep relational unity in the church. When it shapes our... When when the gospel of of grace shapes our relationships, there is this miraculous fruit that gets developed. Because see, we have a tendency to rank sin. Don't we? You know, we... (laughs) We hear somebody say, "Well, yeah, I, I struggle with lust, or I, I struggle with, I struggle with with greed." We're like, "Yeah, you know, I, I'm with you. I got the same problem, brother. Come on, give me a hug, right? Or give me a whatever since of COVID, whatever." But understand that we rank sin. But if the problem is, is that if we are suffering with marriage problems, if we're suffering with, suffering with homosexual tendencies, if we're suffering with de- depression. If we're suffering with things, sins that people will will consider, you know, taboo, we won't share it. We won't talk about it. Why? Because we don't want people to think that we're that bad of a Christian. And we don't want to be thrown out of the relationship. So we hide it and we try to deal with it ourselves. When the reality is, God gives us the body of Christ to come alongside us and walk through it with us. And that's what Paul is defending. He's saying, whoa, 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 you've got to have unity in the church with both Jews and Gentiles. That's the beauty of God. That's what he's doing. He's the creator of all men. But when we realize that the grace that I receive is not contingent on my performance, we begin to find peace. Oh. Oh, so I don't I don't have to worry about all those problems I have. Oh, oh wait a minute. Now I didn't say that because God will begin working on you. The Holy Spirit will start convicting you of the things you're doing wrong, and you'll want to change them. That's people always ask me. Oh, Pat, I mean, <laughs> how do I know if I'm sinning because I'm a believer, but I sin? How do I know when I've taken it too far? I said, you feel guilty about it. Yeah, then you've not gone too far. Don't keep pushing it though. Don't push yourself further away. Run towards Christ. The Holy Spirit's convicting you. But we realize also that that same grace that saves me saved my neighbor. Right? They have the same grace, and I need to give them the same grace. We are all sinners saved by grace on the road of transformation. We are being changed every day. Some of us quicker than others. Some of us slow. It's okay. God knows what he's doing. And understand that that transformation does not occur in a vacuum. Hence why Paul brought two men with him. To show that. A Jew through and through and a Gentile through and through. We're on this road together and we must keep each other and help each other overcome the desires of the flesh. But we have to open up. And if we open up, we have to be loving towards those people who are talking to us. And we need to only share what we are told to share. We need to be honest with them. And we need to hold them accountable. It's the same grace that's offered by Christ. And he works through us and through his body, the church, to transform our lives. We have to keep in mind, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So if you say you love me, that's what it is. If I say I love you, that's what it is. We are entrusted with the gospel for two purposes. The first, so that we can treasure it and so that we can be transformed by it. The gospel of grace was given to us so that it would change us. The second is to pass it on, to multiply it, not to hoard it. And that is what Paul was doing. He was spreading the gospel of grace. What is most important for us is that we experience in our hearts grace, that we long to put it out for others. We have such a huge experience of the grace of God that has been given to us, the forgiveness that comes through faith, that we want to share it with others. And that's what Paul was defending before the Jerusalem Council, that creates relational unity within the body of Christ. And that's the effect that that meeting had today. Because if not, if if that meeting had gone the other way, church would be completely different. It probably never would have survived. Now, I know, God would have made it survive. It would have split. It would not have been, we would have lost our Jewish roots. The Gentile church would have probably survived. But it's by faith. In Jesus Christ, not by the works we do. No, we will do good works, no doubt. But there has to be faith in Christ first. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, for your, your grace and the peace comes from that. I don't, I don't have to worry. You know, if I, if I truly believe in Christ, if I believe that He is Lord and that he, 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 is, he died on the cross for me and that He rose again, He's coming again, if I truly believe that and I make Him Lord of my life, then I don't have to worry about my sins. Getting myself clean before that because You work on me After that, you lead me, you teach me, you you give me out. You tell us you won't, no temptation will come to me that's not common, and you'll always provide a way. But I must keep my eyes on you and trust in your grace. And the Lord, you want me to share it with my, my fellow brothers, my my neighbors around me. How whatever that is, whatever that takes. But I should be so <laughs> have so much joy in my heart because of your grace that that's what I want to do. We praise you for Paul. We praise you for his his tenacity, his his zeal he had for the gospel, willing to go before the council and to def, not even defend it, but to 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 share with the council what he was doing and for them to affirm it. Now we know the trouble didn't stop. And we know trouble, just because we become a believer and we, we, we follow you, doesn't mean the trouble in our lives is going to stop. You promised in this world you'll have trouble, and we do. But we also know that we're to take heart because you've overcome the world. Help us to persevere through this. Help it not to weaken our faith, but help, us to make us, help it to make us stronger. Help us to gather together. When we're struggling, help us to reach out to someone that we can talk to. And they can pray for us. And we will be strengthened in the Lord. We praise you so much for your word. And your gospel and your love and your grace, Lord. Keep us in it. Keep us in your hand. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for joining Living Faith on our YouTube channel. My prayer is that this message today has encouraged you and strengthened your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to connect with you, so please subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so that you get updated when we add a new message. Also, please leave any comments you might have in the comments section. We would love you to join us live for our service on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We hope you have a great day today. God bless.